This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. 20 years ago, well, even 10 years ago, there weren't a lot of options for stylish plus-size clothing. You had Lane Bryant and Torrid, or a men's big and tall store, and that was kind of it. Nowadays, more brands are rolling out plus-size lines and embracing body diversity. So this week on our series, Bias Against Bodies, we're talking about size inclusivity and access to clothing. Joining us in the studio is Natalie Craig, a local plus-size fashion blogger and influencer. And you may know her as Natalie in the City. Welcome to Reset, Natalie. Thank you for having me. I'm Good so to excited see you. to be here. And also with us on the phone is Gianluca Russo, author of The Power of Plus. Hi, Gianluca. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'll start with you, Gianluca. Where did you get your interest in fashion? Fashion's always kind of played a role in my life, but it often took a backseat just because I didn't have the options to be able to make it a core part of my personality growing up. My first kind of memory in life is watching Kristen Serrano win Project Runway when I was in elementary school. And I think since then, the seed has always kind of been planted. But it wasn't until after college when... I saw Teen Vogue kind of go through this very public revolution where they shifted their content to embrace bodies and identity um, in fashion that I saw the way that I could have a role there and how my body could be accepted with that larger discourse. And so that really opened my eyes to the possibilities and kind of put all the pieces into place. Yeah, I love that story. How about you, Natalie? What power does fashion have in your life? Clothing has always been really important to me, and I found it to be really critical to my confidence when I was growing up, even though it was really hard for me to fit into clothes that my peers were wearing. I always had to shop in a different section, but that didn't stop me. You know, I would sew in DIY my clothes so that they would fit me well, and I've really always used clothing and fashion as just really a booster for my confidence and a shield almost. And I found confidence through clothing. I found just this liberating feeling through dressing the way that I want to. And it still carries true to this day for me. Yeah, I, I, well, I can see it. First of all, you're beaming right now as you Thank talk you. about uh, fashion. But let's make sure we're all on the same page, Natalie. Can you define plus size? Yes. So plus size for me is a size 14 or above. Um, and I think that's just the standard term in fashion. Jean-Luca, you might have a different definition or um, more extensive, I think, uh, since you have really worked in the fashion industry. What are your thoughts, Jean-Luca? I think right now in society, it is a size 14 and above. I think there was a time where it was a size 8 and above, and I'm glad we no longer live in that time period. Um, but I think right now it is a size 14 and above is how I would define it as well. Can you give us a, a history lesson as well? Where did size inclusivity in, in fashion actually start? And, and how did we get here? Yeah, it's definitely been a long journey. I think the the kind of origin to what we have today goes back to 1904 when Lane Bryant first launched and kind of the charge that they led over the past century. Um, and it kind of quickly spiraled here and there. It would have high points where you would see a lot of conversation about it in the media, and then it would have low points where it goes years where no one would kind of talk about it. But Lane Bryan was able to really start to develop this market and start to develop this community of women who wanted to shop, who had never had the chance before. Uh, and so over the years, that continued to grow. And I think it really picked up around the 1960s, 1970s, when we saw the rise of different feminist-related movements, the fat acceptance movement, which was all about kind of liberating bodies. And more than just self-love, it was really about dismantling all these 
systemic oppressions against bigger bodies. Um, and so we saw all these kind of movements begin where people could find their community, find their voice, find people to band together with. And I think as that happened more is when we saw more change mm-hmm. because brands saw that there were people who wanted these clothes and they could see the demand firsthand from the people who were protesting and using their voice. So I think the 1960s and 70s picked up that pace again and it continued. Yeah. And then in the 80s into the 90s, you have the rise of first plus size models who at the time were size six and eight. So not what we would consider plus size today, but back then what was considered curve or plus size. Yeah. And so they kind of led the charge as well. And so it was kind of a piece by piece journey. And I think what put that last piece there was the rise of social media because that kind of gave us the tool to connect with each other in a way we never had before. So we could no longer be silenced by designers, but could really use our voices together as one to demand for change. I see you nodding there, Natalie, when you mentioned social media. That's your world. Right? Yeah, I, I started my fashion blog, which is kind of, you know, like not a lot of people blog anymore, but I started my fashion blog in 2013 at the beginning of the year. And it started as a way for me to just express my love for clothing. And it, you know, as social media grew and the rise of the content creator and influencer grew, that was something that naturally kind of took off for me. But I found power in being able to connect with people. And I started receiving emails from people all around the world saying, like, you have my body. It's so nice to see how you wear clothes. It's so nice to see where you shop. And that power of connection there, it really, really sparked a flame under everything to be able to, you know, encourage and ask for inclusivity and ask for us to be represented. And like Jean-Luca said, you know, hold these brands and designers accountable. Like the world is changing and you need to reflect that. And social media really just did that for all of us. And I want to be clear, you've got a big social media presence, right? We're talking over 100,000 followers on Instagram. Mm -hmm. You talk about these positives, but I imagine there are some negatives that come with it, too. Of course. The Internet can be a cruel place. And, you know, people, when they're hiding behind keyboards or their phone, people can be mean. But you know what? I find so many more positives in it and just that connection and the ability to influence change and make somebody see themselves in a different way or make someone see something that's possible for them, like this outfit or something I'm wearing. It's it's an incredible feeling. And I mean, the positives outweigh the negatives every time, especially when we talk about how far social media has moved the fashion industry forward. Mm-hmm. In the intro to your book, John Luca, you, you say, quote, fashion and diet culture are closely intertwined. Tell us how. Fashion has always been able to use diet culture as a means to selling clothing. And it's worked for so long. And they became so used to it. And so it was never just about, you're going to like these clothes, buy them. It was, these clothes are going to make you feel better. They're going to make you look like X, Y, and Z model. And diet culture was always a tool that fashion could use to convince us that we needed to shop. And I think the bodies became the trends. They are the things that we aspire to. And then the clothing was the reward. Mm -hmm. And so diet culture really kind of shaped the way that fashion was manufactured and sold and showcased uh, on the runways and in campaigns. We got to the point where that started to change, and fashion realized that we can't get away with that as well anymore, so we need to get a little more strategic with how we sell diet culture, and I think that's the point we're at now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I know that you've got a personal experience with dieting and diet culture. How did that shape your life? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I discussed in the opening of the book, too. It's something that has been in my life since as long as I can remember. Since elementary school, I have been on a diet and have tried every single one. Elementary um, school? Have, yeah, since elementary school. I think the first wow. one I remember was I was in third grade. I'm sure before that he was even on my mind. Um, but ever since then, I had been on a diet. And, I, and they progressively got worse. You know, when you're young, it's little things. It's not getting the same snacks here and there. It's being told that you can't have that or you are having too much. And then it kind of progresses. And it got to a point in high school where I did develop an eating disorder and went through this battle um, on my own. And it's a very difficult position to be in when you're hurting yourself, but you're being complimented by everyone else because Mm -hmm. they think you look great and they think you're losing weight and on this health journey when really you're doing something incredibly unhealthy. And so you're battling yourself you're being congratulated for it. And so it messes with your mind to the point now where a decade later, I still struggle with that every day. And it plays such a fundamental role in my everyday. And I think that's true for so many people. We are kind of raised to, when you're plus size, to believe that one day you can escape it. And you're put on this journey to escape it. And that's just not the truth. But it's so hard to rewire your mindset to believe otherwise. So this is still an everyday battle for you. How are you coping? Yeah, I think for me, coping is all about finding community and being able to find the resources and voices I need to support myself through the difficult moments. Because I think once you can find people who are going through something similar, I've had a similar life journey, and there are so many people who have had a similar life journey who have gone through this kind of generational diet culture Um, you're able to at least feel seen. Even if it's a difficult battle, you can feel like you're not alone on that battle. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we are talking about the evolution of inclusive sizing in fashion with Gianluca Russo, author of The Power of Plus, and fashion blogger and Chicagoan Natalie Craig. So, Natalie, it seems like things have evolved, as we Mm. mentioned, but you talked earlier about how you had to get pretty creative with you know, limited options. You talked about DIYing yeah. your stuff, right? When you first started blogging, talk more about what that's looked like. Yeah, I mean, it was very hard to find clothing right off the rack that would fit me. And so I had to get creative. I had to maybe shop a size up or shop in the misses or um, the plus size section when, you know, maybe I was in between sizes and kind of alter that clothing to fit me in a way or, you know, cut up clothing or hold it together with um, with safety pins. I mean, just things that weren't comfortable, but I had to make it work to make these clothes fit. And, um, you know, we talked about diet and how that kind of plays into plus size fashion. And I, I went to school for journalism and this was around the time when I was learning about plus size fashion and how it affected me and the opportunities out there. And I interviewed a designer who said that plus size women, the, the perception has always been that their bodies are not forever, that their bodies are temporary. And that's why plus size clothing hasn't come as far. And that's why plus size clothing isn't given much attention. And because that's the ideals that the plus size like, body oh, you're like, not going to stay there. Exactly. Like Jean-Lucas said, there's this idea that eventually, maybe someday you'll be able to escape it. And so, you know, I, I kind of always I had that mindset, too. And I would just say, you know, like I have to shop in this section 
for now. I have to alter these clothes now no. for me. And, mm-hmm. and everything just kind of has to fit in a way. And so it, I was never really able to build like a, a capsule wardrobe. And I mean, I was younger, but I didn't have those pieces because I kind of always felt like, you know, my body is temporary or, you know, shopping in this section is temporary yeah. until I'm not able to fit in this size anymore. And has your mindset shifted? Oh, absolutely. How so? I, well, I I now know today that I am deserving of fabulous, well-fitting clothes. And there are brands who are providing that for us. And it's really, really it's really powerful that these brands have, you know, inclusive options and fashion forward options for plus size people, which has not always been the case. But that really helps me realize and other people realize, too, that our bodies are not temporary. Like we can exist in a plus size body and a plus size body can be amazing and it can also be well dressed and it can also be fierce and fabulous and high fashion. And I don't accept anything less. If something doesn't fit me, it's not for me. I'm not going to try and make it work or try to squeeze into it or right. try to lose weight. No to more fit safety in pins. And no, no, no. Yeah. I deserve clothes that fit my body the way it is today, the way it is tomorrow. It's that's my mindset. Yes. And I don't put anything on my body that doesn't feel fabulous. First of all, your dress. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you I wish so everyone much. could see it right now. Thank you. It's Thank so, you. so gorgeous. John Luca. Who do you see driving these changes that we're talking about? Um, you know, I think right now what's driving it is the the community, like Natalie said as well. Um, but I, I think what really where we're at right now is we've spent so much time developing that community, developing our voices. Fashion has paid attention, but I think the kind of passion behind that is what continues to drive this forward. There's a lot of kind of issues still. And I think Natalie can attest this as well. I don't know if designers understand really who this customer is, how best to serve her. I think we're at a standstill in plus size fashion right now because of that question. But I think what's going to drive us forward and continue to drive us all forward yeah. is never forgetting that we spent too long being silenced and we should have never felt that way. And we never need to feel that way again if we continue to use our voice to make that necessary change. You know, speaking of, of a standstill, we, we've been talking about how we've come a long way, but recently big brands like Old Navy and Target, they've been stagnating. What can you tell us there? I mean, as I, I don't work in the business of fashion. I am an influencer. I am a blogger. I am a plus size person who loves clothes. And so I, I have discussions with professors who have been in the business of fashion, been in the business of making clothing, been on the technical side. And, you know, everyone has an argument for like why plus size clothing may not be the easiest to create or they have their ideas. But personally, when I look at brands that, you know, are regressing or not being as inclusive or kind of taking extended sizing out of stores. I mean, I just simply look at it's you're going to become irrelevant to so many people. I mean, the average person is a plus size in America. And I think that they're missing out on a huge opportunity. And I do kind of feel like we've come a long way, but in certain ways, we're starting to regress and and go backwards. And it's really discouraging. But I like I said, I'm at a point in my life where yeah. I don't put anything on my body if it doesn't fit me well and it doesn't look amazing. And the brands who cater to me are going to continue to get my support and the support of millions of people. Mm-hmm. Old Navy had a huge campaign to start carrying plus sizes in stores and then they quietly 
rolled it back over the course of 2022. Mm -hmm. Uh, Target led the charge for size inclusivity back in the 2010s, and they have since not made much progress there. Gianluca, we have mostly been talking for this conversation about women's fashion. How does any of this look different for men? Or does it? Yeah, I think for men's fashion, it looks worse simply because the conversation is newer. Women's fashion has had the past three decades to advance to the point we are now, which is why we saw so much more momentum, so much more community being able to drive the force. Whereas for men, it's a newer conversation. It's a conversation that more erupted in around 2015 till now. It's been slow picking up. I don't know if there's the community support behind it yet. Men have always had a different relationship with fashion to begin with, of course. And even for men who are interested in fashion, you're often told that that's a quote-unquote feminine thing. And you're kind of shamed for thinking that uh, you could be a part of it. And I think that stigma is so prevalent. And a reason why men kind of turn off from the conversation of body positivity as a whole But I think in terms of fashion, it's something that's so new. Men have often, of course, had custom garments or been able to find things and make it work and not necessarily want certain really fashionable options, not have their eyes open to that. So it's just something that's newer. And because it's newer, it's going to take a while before we get there. We don't have many options now, and I think it'll be that way for a while. But I think what's different is we can use the blueprint that women used over the past 30 years as our pathway to hopefully speed up the process towards getting more options and getting designers to pay attention. What are some of your favorite brands, Natalie, and and designers and influencers? Like who is doing it right out there? Yeah, I mean, I think I just created a plus size brand shopping guide and I spent weeks researching this and I came up with more than 50 brands, which... Amazing. Amazing. Shocking. Incredible. Right. And so some of the brands that I was most amazed by were um, fashion brand company, Loud Bodies, Eloquy. I mean, I feel like every day I'm in Eloquy head to toe because I also have a corporate job and I feel like they make clothes for someone who wants to, you know, have a professional office job, but then also go out and party and be fashion forward. And um, I feel like they're just doing it really well. And I always look to the pioneers of, you know, plus size fashion and um, influence like Gabby Gregg from Gabby Fresh, um, Kelly Augustine, who really is just changing, you know, the the world and the game in terms of plus size styling and, and editorial and um, those those are really the people yeah. that I look to. That's a great list. John Luca, what would you add to that list? And and what are they doing right? And, and talk about what you want to see more of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for me, from a more like kind of designer perspective, who I look to, of course, Kristen Siriano, I think has led a charge and been able to sustain that for his business and grow from it so exponentially. I think that for me is so inspiring. Um, I love Tanya Taylor, who's a contemporary designer, and she has been able to do similar and really find her community. Um, and like Natalie said, there's so many brands. Eloquy is a great one. Uh, there's a lot of plus size specific brands that uh, really cater to this community. I think they're doing great. What I think we need to see more of is people understanding who that customer is. I think for a long time they served plus as this monolith that could deal with scraps and just have the same kind of styles every season. I think we've gotten to the point now where people like Natalie and I have been able to go on style journeys and have very different styles and want options that support those. And so brands need to be able to see that 
you can do plus size in this style. You can do it in this style, and it'll still sell, sell and have a market. And I hope designers pay more attention to that, and I hope they pay more attention to diversity of body type as well. I think they've gravitated yeah. towards representing one body type, and it's really limited them into seeing the possibilities. But I think when you open your eyes to the spectrum of bodies out there, you really see how this is such a vast amount of people with a vast amount of styles and how you can really make a difference by catering to all of them. We'll leave it there. John Luca Russo is the author of The Power of Plus. And Natalie Craig is a fashion blogger. Thank you both.